morning, everybody. How we doing? Everybody doing good? Hey, wasn't, wasn't last Sunday great? Uh, everybody got a sweet refuge shirt, and uh, not only that, it was free. All right, can I get an amen? Free. If it's free, it's for me. Hey, such a fun and powerful uh, service. I really enjoyed that, being with you guys. And I'm convinced that those uh, shirts will have a great impact on the people around you as, you as you wear those and invite people that God will step, that uh, bless that step of, of faithfulness. Uh, but even more than that, today, uh, I believe we have the ability to have an even greater impact. Uh, last week, we talked about how uh, wearing a shirt could in- change someone's life, that simply wearing a shirt, inviting them to church uh, could change their life. I fully believe that to be true. It's a great way to initiate a conversation, uh, but we aren't counting on us to change people. It's only an encounter with God that changes life. What we need, we need a move of the Spirit in Canadian County to see the Spirit of the living God move and transform lives. Can I get an amen? It's not about us, it's about Him. And so before we jump into the Word this morning, uh, let's ask God to start that move right now in our time together. Let's invite God into this place. So if you wouldn't mind just uh, closing your eyes, putting your your hands out, ready to rest them on your lap with your, with your palms up, just a posture of surrender. Take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near as that air you're breathing. God, give us tender hearts uh, to your word this morning. Help us to put away the distractions uh, of the coming week. Help us to put away the frustrations of this past week. And help us to fully focus on you. Well, we come empty with, with nothing to offer but surrender. Would you fill us up this morning as only you can? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, hey, some of you guys, uh, you are sitting there and you are wondering why there is a whole bunch of uh, boxes or bags with boxes in them filled with shoes. Why is there a bunch of shoes in front of of the stage. Uh, these right here uh, are the shoes that Refuge was able to purchase for every student here at Riverwood Elementary uh, that needed a new pair of shoes. We were able to partner with the school, make sure that happened. Yeah, we give God up for that. And so every single kid here at Riverwood that needed a new pair of shoes, you guys, because of your generosity, Refuge was able to meet that need. And every kid here who needs a new pair of shoes, uh, they're going to get a new pair of shoes. So I just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for your generosity uh, to help us meet this need because uh, we could not do this without your faithful giving. Each one of these bags represents a life, uh, and it's a life that matters to God. And maybe this new pair of shoes uh, is exactly what they needed. Maybe it'll make their heart tender to God. Maybe it will change a life. I'm just excited to see how God blesses your faithfulness to serve our community uh, through these shoes. So just one last time, I want to say thank you guys. Uh, you guys rock. Uh, it's awesome to be a part of a, a church family that is eager to jump in and serve those around them. And so we've got all these shoes to donate, uh, getting those going. And today we are in part four of our shoes series. All right, changing our views by trying on shoes. Help me out with this. They say you can't understand someone unless you've walked a mile in their shoes. Can't understand someone unless you've walked a mile in their shoes. What's cool about shoes is different shoes remind you of different types of people, maybe different situations. You see stilettos, you might think cocktail party. You see all black tennis shoes, you think referee. All right, different shoes are associated with different things. And today, uh, we're going to look at someone who I think will be rocking some shoes like this. Oh, some boots, all right? Now, you see someone wearing boots, and you might think 
uh, especially, maybe not these, maybe you think like steel toes, you think boots, uh, I tend to think somebody who's gonna work hard, right? Like boots are kind of like you get out there, you get into the mud, you get into the dirt. Uh, they're they're kind of comfy, but then after a while, they're just like really heavy. Uh, but they, they work for you. They protect your feet. These are definitely the hardest ones I've had to get on during this series. All right, they got a lot of lacing up to do here. But when you try on a pair of boots, all right, it takes a little time to get it going, but that's because now you're ready. I don't know why I double nodded that. I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm walking on the stage, but I just out of habit, double nodded that. You see boots. Uh, you think someone who's going to be working hard, who's going to put in the work. Uh, you see Boots, uh, week one of this, we talked about somebody wearing penny loafers. Uh, just the exact opposite of the person wearing penny loafers, that's the person wearing boots, right? Uh, today we're going to look at this Roman officer, and I think this is the perfect pair of shoes for him. Uh, he's a centurion, that means uh, that he is in charge of 100 other soldiers. And this Roman centurion, he has this remarkable interaction with Jesus, and Jesus was amazed, that's a quote, Jesus was amazed at this man's faith. And we're going to look at this encounter in, in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. All right, now the Roman officer, that's, that's our boot-wearing man. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Uh, this Roman centurion, he goes to Jesus, and he's like straight to business, no fluff. He pleads with Jesus, uh, my servant is paralyzed and is in pain. Like he's saying, Jesus, I need, I need you. And Jesus says, uh, right back to him, he, he responds that same way. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Uh, seems like a great situation, right? He comes like, hey, Jesus, I need some help. And Jesus is like, you got me. I'm there. All right, let's do this. Yeah, he comes, he's very direct, and Jesus responds with that same level of directness. He's like, let's go, let's heal him. And this is a part that I think uh, kind of shifts the whole story on its head. It's in verse 8, and here's what the Roman centurion says. It says, but the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. And this next part is where it gets really interesting. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. He tells Jesus, he goes, hey, you're, I'm not worthy to have you come to my house. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. Wow. You want to talk about faith. Uh, he, he goes on to elaborate a little more. He, he, he understands the chain of command. He understands how authority works, that he has people that are under his authority, and there are people that are above, he uh, have authority over him, and when you have authority, uh, you just say what needs to be done, and it happens. It's not necessarily you doing it, but when you truly have authority over someone, uh, if you say it, they get it done. This officer is saying, Jesus, you have authority over everything. Don't travel all the way to my house to heal this servant. Just speak, and he will be made well. This, this man, he understands the power and authority that Jesus possesses. And here's how Jesus responds to that. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. This man's faith it amazed Jesus. Jesus turns to his followers uh, and says, I haven't seen faith like this anywhere. He turns to the people who have like left everything and they're following Jesus. And he's like, I haven't seen faith like this anywhere. Think about the magnitude of that statement. 
Think about that. This man's faith amazed Jesus. We keep going in in verse 13. We see how Jesus responds. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home. Because you believed, it has happened. And the young servant was healed the same hour. Because you believed, it has happened. The faith this Roman officer has is connected to his understanding of authority. Uh, he says he understands authority. He understands that people can just say if they have authority over you, and it happens. Because he knows the authority that Jesus has, his faith increases. The authority of Christ is a, a theme that you'll see over and over and over again in Scripture. I want to rapid fire a few of them for you. They're, they're not on the screen. Uh, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Uh, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me to, on what to say and how to say it. Uh, so, you thought, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Ephesians 1.22, this is the one that I, I think just has it all. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head of all things for the benefit of the church. Jesus has authority over everything. All authority in heaven and here on earth. This Roman centurion, he understands that Jesus has authority to change things with just his words. It says, because he believed in Christ, his faith is filled because he knows that Jesus has the authority and power of Jesus. It's because he believed, it's because he believed because he has this faith in Christ, he has this faith in Christ because he understands authority. My question for you is, who has authority in your life? Who do you listen to? Who says for you to do something and you do it? Um, you might listen to your boss. You might listen to a mentor. You might listen to a spouse. Uh, but if we are all really honest, we don't like authority. We all have a natural disposition to buck authority. Anybody else have a little rebellious spirit in you? Yeah. Um, uh, gentlemen, let me give you a little situation. Uh, maybe you found yourself in, uh, this is a hypothetical, it's never happened to me. Uh, you are walking to, uh, okay, that might have been a lie. You are walking to go change, to go take the overflowing trash can out. Your spouse is around the corner, doesn't see you walking towards the trash can, and hollers. It's like where the wall's in the way. Hey, could you take out the trash? And you're like right there, like they just can't see you. Have you ever had that happen? Um, you were walking to go do it. What do you no longer want to do? I don't want to take the trash out, right? I mean, I, I might still take the trash out, but I'm not happy about it. I'm going to give her a little flack about it. I'm right here. That's what I'm doing. All right, we all have a natural disposition to buck uh, on authority. I got another example. One of my children in pre-K, uh, we got the report card. A pre-K report card, uh, it's like can count to, and it just lists the numbers, and they put a check mark by every number that they can count to. It says their alphabet to A, B, C, as far as they can go. And it said that this child of mine can only count to seven. And I'm like, what? I've heard this kid count to at least 20. Like, I know that he can do this. And the teacher was like, so I really think he can count higher than that. Uh, when we count as a class, he can count higher than that. But when we get in for the one-on-one -on -one assessment, and I'm like, hey, would you count for me? Uh, when we get to seven, he says, I'm done. Uh, she asked him to keep going. He says, no thanks. <laughs> what? And she's like, hey, I can only put what they do on the assessment. And we've done it several times, and he's been done. Uh, the highest we've ever gotten is a seven before he just says, I'm done. That kid could count higher than seven. He just didn't want to be told to count. You tell a toddler, don't do that. 
what are they more inclined to do now? Whatever you're telling them not to do, they're gonna do it. All of us, we have a natural disposition to reject authority. Unfortunately for us, that disposition against authority doesn't always go away as we age. Actually, uh, for some of us, it grows stronger. It grows stronger. Like, I just think we, we don't want to be told what to do. Whether that's in a personal setting or in a, in a business setting, like in our job, our vocation, or just in the house or in our, with our neighbor around the yard, whatever it is. Have you ever looked at somebody, just like, this is just rhetorical, please don't raise your hand, all right? But yeah, have you ever looked at a person of authority that has authority over you and you thought, I could do better. I would do it the right way. This is so simple. Why don't they just... I think we all have been there, where we think we could do better. We have that disposition to buck authority, to, to not want it. And I think part of the reason why that is, is many of us, we don't like authority because we've seen people in positions of authority abuse that power. They've, they've wielded it flippantly. They've used that authority to lift themselves up. And Christ has authority over everything but he's not gonna force himself into your life. And if we aren't careful about how we feel about just authority in general, it will bleed over into our relationship with God, into our relationship with Jesus. We say that God is the authority, but somehow every time God says to go this way uh, and you, your flesh wants to go this way, uh, we end up going this way. When, when God's values don't align with ours, there is an authority struggle. Who are we going to give power to? Who am I going to submit to? Am I going to submit to, to God or am I going to give in to what I want to do? And if we're honest, we are also prone to give ourselves that authority because we want autonomy. We want to be completely independent of others, right? Uh, how many of you ever said this? It'll just be easier if I do it myself. Have you ever said that? Like I've lived that out before. We want autonomy. I don't want to have to depend on others. It's not what I want to do. We don't want somebody else's to mess it up. Everybody would just be better if they did it my way. And what happens is we end up being an island. And that attitude will wreck our relationship with God. We'll, we'll walk with God so long as what we're experiencing, what we're learning aligns with what we already believe. But when there's a fork in the road and God says this way, and what we want is this way, who has the authority? Are we going to do what we want or are we going to do what God says? Which way are we going to go? I mean, you guys know who I'm going to say should win, right? We should follow God. But whoever does win is who we think has more authority or who we've given more authority over our lives. And if we're honest, a lot of the times it's us. A lot of us don't want to trust God with that kind of authority in our lives because uh, it's a little intimidating. Jesus has all authority and power on heaven and on earth. And, and we've got this bad taste in our mouth because we just naturally want to buck authority. We just think that there's people who have abused it. And so when it comes to God, we kind of let that overflow into our relationship with him. And when we see Jesus, how did his power manifest? Like what was the pinnacle of Jesus' power? And it says this in Mark, Mark 10, verse 42 going to read a few verses here. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. 
but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. To serve others and to give away his life. That's the pinnacle of Jesus' power. The cross. That's, there is power in the blood of Jesus. The cross. So we're going to celebrate next week at Easter is the cross and the resurrection. There is no misuse of power. There is no reason to not trust Jesus. He has already shown his love for you because he died on the, he died on the cross because he loves you. He came to serve others. He has all authority and power, and yet he comes humbly. He comes humbly. Uh, today is Palm Sunday. That's the Sunday leading up to Easter. It's where Jesus rode into town riding on a donkey. Uh, and I know maybe if you've grown up in church, you kind of just become accustomed to that. Uh, but if you haven't, I just want you to think that that's not exactly the majestic ride you'd expect a king to come in on, right? Comes in riding on a, a lowly donkey, all authority and power to Jesus. And yet he didn't come to be served to make it about him, uh, to serve others. You can surrender all your authority and power. Give it to Jesus. It'll be for your benefit. Do you trust him? Do you trust Jesus? Is your faith really in Jesus or is it in yourself? Uh, one litmus test for where your faith is at is uh, who has authority in your, and who has authority in your life. It, the litmus test is your prayers. What is the, the frequency, and I don't know if this is the right word, but I think the audacity of your prayers. How big are they? How, how often are you praying? How big are you praying? I think if we were to give an honest evaluation of most of us, our prayer lives, we had to say it's pretty shallow. Like if God answered every one of our prayers for the last month, uh, not much would change outside of my house. Like if we're, if we're just honest. And today what I want to do is I want to invite you to put your faith to the test. I want you to do something that, that might be uh, a little new for you. Uh, today, I want you to cry out to God to do uh, something supernatural, to ask God boldly in faith to move. Uh, because, church, we need that. We need God to move. Uh, a, a plan that works without God, uh, that's not Christian living. That's just a well-executed strategy. Uh, we can have plans, but we need God to power them. We, we have to have God in it. And so today, I, I want to challenge you to cry out to God this whole week, Monday through Friday, to ask him to move in a, in a supernatural way because we want a work of the Spirit, not a scheme of man. We want, we want a work of the Spirit, not a scheme of man. It says this in 1 Corinthians I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. We want the power of the Holy Spirit to move and to transform lives. We want the power of the Holy Spirit to move and transform us, our lives. And I believe that God is leading us uh, this way to prepare us, to prepare us for, for Easter and what's to come. Uh, Easter's next week. It's a special Sunday where we'll see people come in here that, to be honest, they haven't stepped foot in a church in a very long time. 
And when people come, not, not only here, but, but in other churches in, in Canadian County, when people come, we want not our schemes of man, not, not a well-executed workflow for them to get through, to get connected to our church. We want the spirit of the living God to move with power and to transform lives. And that is not something that we can do, but it is something that we can ask and believe that God is going to do. So I wanna invite you to join uh, something we're gonna do uh, this week. Uh, it's a five-day fast. For the next five days, I want us to spend as a church this, this holy week leading up to Easter asking God to move in a supernatural way, to surrender to God and to ask him to do what we cannot do on our own. And I think uh, sometimes when it comes to a fast, and what is that, uh, there's different kinds of fast, but what I want to invite us to do, I want to invite you to do, is some level of a food fast. So for the next five days, Monday through Friday, select some level and do it. So I got, I got three levels here. Uh, I have this for after. I'm going to say it before. I, these levels are just for us to grab a handle, have a handle on them. Uh, not to determine your level of spirituality. All right, if you do level one, it does not mean that you're a worse Christian than somebody who does level three. All right, these are just there for us to have some handles on there. Uh, level one would be like a selective fast. Say, hey, I'm not gonna eat uh, my breakfast or my lunch or dinner. I'm gonna, I'm gonna select one meal and I'm gonna fast from it. Uh, level two would be like a partial fast. Like, hey, I'm not gonna eat uh, from sunrise uh, to sunset. Uh, level three would be lots of water and prayer, all right? This will not be best, not for the whole five days, but for maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or a few days together. Uh, again, those levels are just there to grab a handle of, but I, I would encourage you this week to do some level of food fasting. Definitely don't do something that your doctor's gonna be mad at you about, all right? If, for health reasons, uh, food's not an option for you, that's okay. Get rid of something that has a hold on your life. Something that you can set aside for five days with the purpose of spending more time with God. Could be a digital fast from social media. Maybe it's to quit watching TV or maybe it's not even TV. Maybe you need to quit watching Fox and CNN and letting that shape your life and let Jesus shape your life, okay? Get rid of something you normally consume for the purpose of spending more time with God. You could spend time reading scripture, spend time praying, listening to worship music, or maybe just silently waiting on the Lord. Whatever you do, or whatever you don't do, do it with the purpose of drawing near to God. So, so the, the level or the type of fast is up to you. The, the way you, what you do what you want to to draw near to God in those times, that's totally up to you. But we want to do some of this together as a church. So I've got these, these cards. I've got some people that are gonna pass these out. Uh, there's fast cards. They're in the back there. They're gonna pass them out. And I want us collectively to be praying for the same thing. We've got three times of prayer where I want us all to be praying on the same page. Uh, a morning prayer, a midday prayer, and an evening prayer. And each time has a specific focus. Uh, the morning prayer, I want us to do this. Pray for opportunities to bless someone that day. So if it's Monday, pray for an opportunity to bless someone Monday. Uh, midday prayer, that, that lunchtime prayer, pray that Easter Sunday would be a powerful outpouring of the Spirit of God. Again, in Canadian County, not just here at Refuge, but in all the churches here in Canadian County. And that evening prayer, just uh, thank God for the blessings 
of the day. So we're praying for an opportunity to bless, for a powerful outpouring of the Spirit on Easter, and then a prayer of thanks. Uh, We've got these for everybody. I think everybody just about has them now. First part I want you to see on there is the the guides, all right, for our different prayer times. That way you can have a, a way to know what we're doing. And the second part is for you to make a record of the fast you're committing to. All right. Uh, you're not turning these in. <laughs> these are for you. These are for your benefit. Uh, we even printed these on like uh, stick, like shipping labels. Like there's, it's a sticker you could like stick somewhere and commit to do it and you could put it where you know you're going to see it every day because I don't know about you, I need that kind of reminders in my life. This is not something we do so that others will look at us and think, man, they are extra spiritual. Actually, no, we shouldn't broadcast what we're fasting from. The purpose is not to puff us up. It's actually the exact opposite. The purpose is to draw us near to God, to cry out to him, to move powerfully. So during service today, what I want you to do, I want you to fill out that fast card. You don't have to do it at this exact moment, what you're committing to, but I would encourage you to do it before the service is over. Fill it out and then hold yourself accountable to what you're doing. Keep it somewhere where you'll see it. And if you mess up, give yourself the grace to keep trying and pressing on. Uh, I want to be direct with you guys. Uh, Some of you, your faith needs this. You need to get serious about following Jesus, fully believing in the authority and power of Jesus. Like there are parts of your life where you just don't believe that Jesus could change this area. Like you're thankful for that he saved you, but you just don't think he could change these things. You don't think he could fix some of these problems. You don't think he could fix your marriage. You don't think he could fix a cancer diagnosis. You don't think he could fix what's going on with your family. You don't think he could fix your job. Hear me on this. Jesus has all authority and power on heaven and at earth. He is enough. In Matthew 8, we're going to go back to this. Jesus said to the Roman officer, help me out with that part in yellow. Go back home because you it has happened because you believed. Do you believe? Do you believe that God is bigger than the problems you face? Maybe your, your heart wants to, but just you can't get there. Would you just take this week, just the week, just take this step Make it a matter of prayer, focused, specific prayer, to boldly ask God to move, to commit to to fast for the next five days, to pray to God, asking him to move in areas of your life where you need it. You're not even sure if he can. What if? What if? because you believe Jesus has the power and authority? What if because you believed in Jesus, it has happened? What if God did that? There's a story in the Old Testament uh, uh, of this uh, military leader and he was, he was sick. Uh, his name was Naaman and Naaman He's uh, got leprosy, he's got the skin disease, and uh, he went to go see the prophet Elisha. 
And so he went to Elisha for the purpose of, I'm gonna go to Elisha and he's gonna tell me I need to do A, B, C, D to get healed from this leprosy, from this sickness. So he goes to uh, the prophet Elisha and uh, as he's going up to Elisha's house, uh, Elisha sends out, a, sends out a servant and he tells Naaman, hey, uh, Elisha told me the skinny, here's what you gotta do. He's like, hey, you need to go dip in the Jordan River uh, go dip in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be healed. And uh, this angers Naaman because he's like, I went all the way to this prophet. I don't even get to meet Elisha. And Elisha is sending me to the Jordan River, like which is not known for being the cleanest river. And he's, he's angry with the process. He just walks away and completely ignores Elisha's directions. He's like, the Jordan River? No, like we got better waters in Damascus that will be way better than the Jordan. He went all the way there and he feels slighted. So now he's not gonna do what the prophet of God has told him to do. And finally he has some people around him that talk some sense into him. And they say, hey, if, if Elisha had told you to do something difficult, would you have done it? And Naaman's like, yeah, I would have done it. You know, he's sitting there thinking, I'd have climbed the highest mountain, I'd have done whatever. And they just, submit to him, then why won't you do what you've been instructed to do? Even if it seems useless, even if it seems like a, a pointless exercise, it's, it's just seven times in the river, why don't we just go do it? And Naaman listens and he, he goes and dips in the Jordan River and on the seventh time it says his disease was healed. That as he got up from the water on that seventh time, his whole, his body was made whole. The thing that didn't make any sense to him ended up being the way that God healed him. It might not make, you might be sitting there thinking, this doesn't make any sense. What's the point of doing a fast? If God told you to do something incredibly hard to see him move in your life, there are areas of your life where you would be so willing to do it because you want him to move. You want him to. You'd do just about anything. Would you give this a try for the next five days and just see what God can do? I, I believe that if you would do this, if you commit for five days, that you will see God move powerfully in your life. Doesn't mean all your problems are gonna go away. It might not be the way that you expected him to move, but I promise you, God will move. He moves, he wants to, he wants to come into that situation. He wants to be near to you. Commit for the next five days to seek a bold outpouring of the Spirit from God, because that's what we need. It doesn't need to be us. It doesn't need to be a scheme of man. We need to see a move of the Spirit. That's what changes lives. Let's pray.